Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. Throughout the next four weeks, we're going to be spending our worship time exploring the psalms appointed for each Sunday in Advent. You know, we often overlook the psalms appointed for the day in our worship. I've heard some pastors say things like, you know, if we have to cut anything out of the service, well, let's just cut the psalm, because no one pays attention to them. While at the same time, they'll add all kinds of superfluous things, such as extra music, longer Eucharistic prayers, and dare I say, longer sermons. It's been a long period of my life, unsure how to handle the Psalms. It wasn't until I went to seminary and prayed morning prayer three days a week that I began to have a small appreciation for them. While seminary gave me appreciation for the Psalms, it was when I became a pastor. I was asked to teach a class on the Psalms that I fell in love with them and saw the power that they contained. I was unfortunate and did not take a, a seminary class on the Psalms as many of my friends and colleagues in ministry did. So in order to teach this class, I had to buy a bunch of books and read a whole lot of material in a very short amount of time to teach a class on a very large book of the Bible. And there's some things I, I want to note about the Psalms in general. The first thing is, is that there are probably 150 different writers represented here in the Psalms. There might be some, some repeats, but very often there are very different, different writers for each Psalms. And it's very hard to tell. You can, but it's, it's really hard to tell. Two, the Psalms are to the Hebrew people as our hymnody is to us today. Psalms should provoke a similar feeling as when we sing Amazing Grace or Silent Night. Three, there are a lot more psalms out there that are not included in the book of psalms, just like there are a lot of hymns out there that are not included in the ELW. These 150 psalms were chosen because they spoke to the entire nation of Israel. Fourth, some psalms were written because they were commissioned by another person going up to a psalmist and saying, hey, can you write me a psalm about this? Or oh, I'm feeling this way today, psalmist. Can you write a song to help me through the day? Or sometimes the psalmist might have just had something on their mind and they wanted to share, just like modern-day hymn writers and musicians today share music with us. The psalms are beautiful because... They're raw and filled with real human emotion. The psalmists write from their hearts just like singers and songwriters today. If a psalmist is sad, they tell you. If, if a psalmist is happy, they tell you. If, if a psalmist is angry, they tell you. They're angry at God for something they felt that God can change. They, they write it down and they're, they're honest, brutally honest sometimes. The psalmists are generally very honest about how they are feeling. And there have been many times when I was experiencing some kind of problem, and so I turn to the book of Psalms for help, for an answer, and I usually find it. And I also want to let you all in a little secret. There's more than just one psalm. While I love Psalm 23, and I can recite it from memory, 
Although the way I learned it in third grade at Emmanuel Lutheran School was in both the King James Version and the NIV, so I sometimes get those two mixed together, and that's none of the versions we use today here. There are so many other great psalms out there, and I hope during the season of Advent that you feel inspired to open up your Bibles and read through some of the psalms. And hopefully, you'll begin to include the psalms as part of your daily devotion. And don't feel like you have to read all 150 psalms every week. Start with a couple and go from there. See where it leads you. This week's psalm is, is pretty raw and filled with some serious anger. O Lord of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them bread of tears and have given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Psalm 80 is a part of the Asaph collection. Asaph is mentioned in 1 Chronicles as a Levitical worship leader appointed by David. The collection includes 12 psalms and in general reflects a strong interest in divine justice, Israel's history from Exodus to, from Exodus to Exile and Zion. While there are notes of thanksgiving in the collection, it is predominantly filled with lament that bemoans Israel's failures to keep the covenant, while also asking God why judgment has come upon God's people. This combination of concern helps us understand Psalm 80's contribution to the collection, insofar as it seems to place the honest on God for letting trouble come upon the nation when no particular shortcoming of theirs is condemned. The the eighth... Asaphite capacity for honest, gut-wrenching prayer works along a spectrum of situations. Psalm 80 happens to reflect a time when the nation's troubles appear to have no identifiable source except God's inexplicable displeasure with them. God seems to be punishing the people, and the psalmist wants to know what they did to anger God. The people are angry at their current situation. They're angry at God. And they feel like they are being punished like a parent punishes a child for doing something wrong. Does that sound familiar for today? You know, in today's day and age, pastors are encouraged not to let their anger show. I've heard stories of pastors in the past blowing up at congregational members for something they did or said and they remember positively for that. I can't imagine any situation where I could be remembered favorably today for yelling at a member or even a non-member. It would be a turnoff to so many, and I'd probably lose members in the process. Yet I do get angry. I do get sad. I experience emotions just like everyone else. Rarely do I share my personal problems, but after reading Psalm 80, I feel compelled to share about some of the anger I've had, particularly some anger I felt back in October. On the day of Isaiah's baptism, I was angry. We chose the date because it was a day that worked for Isaiah's God's parents to have off, for my brother also to have a weekend off, and for my wife's family. 
It seemed like the perfect day because everything just seemed to fall together so easily. It seemed like it was the divine coincidence. From August 25th to October 25th, I never had to cancel outdoor worship because of bad weather. Granted, it was hot outside, and there were some days when it was really cold, but we never had to cancel because of rain or bad weather. The week leading up to Isaiah's baptism, the weather was beautiful. In the 80s, while we were down at Ocean City, New Jersey for some continuing ed time, Tom, it was so warm that Thomas got to go in the ocean in October. Then Sunday morning came. It was rainy and cold, and we couldn't do worship outside. Forget concerns over COVID. I was afraid of people catching pneumonia sitting outside in the rain. Diane and I had planned October 25th because we knew it was a day that we could get both our congregations together outside and celebrate this joyous event. Remember, we tried to do the baptism back in April and had to cancel because of COVID. Canceling again felt like we were being punished. Can't we just have one more day of beautiful weather? I was angry. And I'm not just talking about upset or irritated like when you get a stone in your shoe I'm talking angry. And thank God none of you were here on Saturday when I came to set up for the baptism. I came to church saying it would calm me down to, to get my mind off of things, but it just made things worse. I was slamming things, throwing things, swearing up and down at God while I was in here. Had someone been here, I'm afraid my anger would have been unintentionally directed at them. Come Sunday morning, we got our family here, and I was still not feeling it. And add to the fact that none of the technology was working, I was close to my breaking point. And thank God Pastor Jess preached an amazing sermon that day, because I just didn't have it in me. I felt like hanging up my stole and moving on. O Lord of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? O Lord of hosts, how long will you be upset with me? What have I done to you, Lord God, to make you so angry that you keep punishing me and taking it out on my kid? Months and months of disappointment had boiled up inside of me. I was tired of having to make do. I was tired of having to let my son down. I was tired of letting others down. I was angry. You know, for months I preached about how the word of God was all that mattered, that nothing else mattered. But that's hard to accept when one thing after another keeps falling apart. It's hard to put your trust in God when it feels like you're being punished. I think that is exactly what the psalmist is saying here in verse 5 and 6. Life is pretty miserable, but notice what the psalmist says. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we might be saved. It feels like the psalmist in the midst of his anger has a moment of self-realization that restoration is possible. My moment of self-realization of restoration came while I was sitting up at the altar on Reformation Sunday at the end of worship, listening to Mike, Heather, and Drew saying a mighty fortress is our God, using the old, old words, not the new ones, and just weeping. God's word forever shall abide. No thanks to foes who fear it. For God himself fights by our sides with weapons of the spirit. If they take our house, goods, fame, child, or spouse, wrench our life away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever. 
It's amazing that it took a song to bring some clarity and ultimately some relief to my anger that I had been experiencing. I wanted to give my son the perfect day. I wanted to give my congregation a way to celebrate and join in and giving thanks to God for giving us Isaiah. That perfect day was taken away back in April, and I thought we had another chance, and that was taken away too. And I was angry. Even though I had been preaching the importance of flexibility and, the, and that God's word was all that mattered, it was more important than our human wants or desires. It's another thing to practice it. It took hearing those words from Martin Luther to snap me out of my anger. And the psalmist is hoping for a similar experience for you. So today I'm giving you permission to be angry. I want you to name what you're angry about this day. And I want you to write it down. Better yet, if you can, if we would have had worship today, I was going to give everybody a stress ball and a sharpie. And I was going to tell you to write down everything that's really angering you right now. For some of us, we might not be able to put that all on, a, on one ball. But try to think of those things that are really bothering you, that, that are making you feel angry. And write it down. It's okay to be angry and disappointed, but in the words of Daniel Tiger, it's not, not, not okay to hurt someone. For it's in acknowledging our anger that we can move on, that we can move to restoration. And that is something I've noticed throughout these past nine months of this pandemic. We do not have an avenue to let our anger out because, let's be honest, we have a lot of reasons to be angry. And so often we allow that anger to build up inside us to the point where we, we either explode or fall into deep depression. Either way, it's, it's not a healthy way to deal with anger. And there are lots of healthy ways to deal with anger. Some people go to the gym, but clearly, I don't. Some do yoga, like Heather, although clearly, I'm not that flexible. I, fall, I can barely walk up the steps sometimes. Some people have a shop that they go out and work in. Some people bake, some people cook, although I'm not sure how healthy that is in terms of dealing with anger. What about prayer and meditation? You know, we all can pray. How many of us, when we are angry, turn to the Psalms and then turn to prayer? Most of the time, we just sit at home and write scathing reviews on Amazon or go to Facebook and post some crazy anger-filled rage-filled post on Facebook. I want us to try something different this Advent. I want you to instead turn to the book of Psalms, turn to Psalm 80, and read it over and over again, holding that stress ball in your hand and squeezing the living daylights out of it. When we allow the things that anger us to control us, they become our gods, they become our sole attention. That is exactly what Satan wants us to do, to turn our attention away from God and our mission to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You have every right to be angry this day, but don't let that anger control you. Instead, pray for God to act. Pray to God and remind God of the promises God made to you on the day of your baptism. Pray in such a way that you tug on God's ears and remind God of God's responsibilities. The same way that your grandmother or your mother tugged on your ears when you were a kid to remind you of your responsibilities. Pray as the psalmist prays. Psalm 80 lays it all out there. Things were not going great, and the psalmist doesn't hide that. Rather, the psalmist is, is honest. 
Yet the psalmist always comes back to that refrain. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we might be saved. The psalmist believes that God cannot abandon us. Restore us, O God, is just another way of saying, after all the faithful love that you have shown us, why are you allowing us to suffer? Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we might be saved. God loves us so much that God gave us God's name, and the psalmist here employs the most personal, intense form of God's name. Our hope rests not in what we have done, nor what we can do, but in all that God is. And so, we join with the entire church, both past, present, and future. We join with the psalmist in both anger and joy in our hearts, in the spirit of expectation of what is to come, in confessing that God is faithful to God's people. That God is faithful to you. And will calm your anger, not because God doesn't like you being angry, but because God can actually do something about it. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.